Hey, everyone, and welcome to episode number 53 of the Chris Rose Rotation, a production of John Boy Media. And you know what? we got a special episode for you today because I went through the employee Rolodex and after like uh, Lucas and Sam and Rob Scirocco all turned it down, I had to go to this guy. So I'm going to welcome in the former major leaguer. You know him from Farm to Fame with Kelsey Winger, Pete Moylan. Hello, Pete. How are you? I'm great, Rosie. How are you, buddy? I'm doing great. So really, I'm going to take this opportunity to um, break some news here. You're really not Australian. You're from the Bronx, and this has been a fake accent that we've seen for the last two decades in Major League Baseball, right? Yep. Just like Foster's is Australian for beer, Pete Moylan is Australian for baseball. Yes. <laughs> that is go. nice. Uh, yep. So I've, you know, I've known you on and off for years, having interviewed sure. you several times. We had a chance to really hang out and get to know each other a bit better in Denver during the All-Star game. But I was like, I think people are missing an opportunity to get to know one of the better characters we've seen in Major League Baseball over the last two decades. Um, first of all, how the hell do you get interested in, in baseball when you grow up in Australia? I have to thank my dad for that. He came over here to the U.S. Uh, he was a real estate agent and there was a real estate conference in Houston. And part of the conference was the, the guys got to go to an Astros game at the Astrodome. And he opened up, he walked in the Astrodome, said, this is amazing. I have to find where my son can do this. So he bought me a plastic uh, wrapped glove, bat, ball combination that you get at the games. And, and it was, uh, he brought it home to Australia. And I, we just found a local t-ball place and I fell in love with it. Um, I'd played other sports. That's the thing about growing up in Australia is that you legitimately you love and enjoy watching and participating in every sport you can get your hands on. So um, we, I did everything. I did track, I did swimming, I did cricket, I did football, I did all you can think about. But my love was always baseball, which was strange because it wasn't popular. All right. So, Pete, you, I didn't hear you mention Australian rules football. <laughs> Funny you say that. Uh, I got an Australian rules football. Right here. It's never leaves my side. I played Australian rules football and I had to make a choice when I was 15. Which way do I go? Do I quit baseball? Because baseball, here's the thing. My school played Australian rules football and not baseball. So everything I did with baseball was outside of school. Right. And I was a decent athlete. So a lot of the, the, the Aussie rules football coach wanted me to play football. And I kind of just had to make the decision that I'm going to go to baseball and not play football anymore. You know, I've known about Australian rules football ever since I was a little kid because I don't know. I, I guess ESPN used to run it back in the day and they started in 79. So my brother and I used to sit there and watch the guy in the white. He was dressed to the nines, white hat, white suit, and he'd stand next to the post. I still don't understand the scoring. And then whenever they'd kick it through, he would go. Bing. OK, I'll give you this is a perfect opportunity for me to give you a little bit of a. As he rules football for beginners. So. There are four poles in right. Australian rules football. There's the two big ones in the middle uh -huh. and the two little ones on the outside. Yep. If you kick it through the uprights in the middle and it's not touched by anyone before it goes through those two, whether it's bouncing over or in the, on the full, that's six points. If you miss and it goes into the other two, it's one point. And if you miss altogether and it goes out of bounds, if it goes out of bounds without touching the ground first, it's a free kick to the other team. If it goes out of bounds and somebody's touched it, then the umpire grabs the ball and you'll see them, you'll see them from the sideline just reel back and then just launch this thing over their shoulder. And then two dudes that are six foot four, six foot five, and 250 pounds just beat the crap out of each other for the next couple of minutes. And then it's 18 on 18 melee. It's just insanity. What's the worst thing that ever happened to you while playing Australian rules football? <laughs> Ah, <laughs> uh, that's a great question. Uh, it's actually, it's embarrassing because of the, it, okay, so I used to wear glasses, right? And I wore glasses. You still do, Pete. They're on I, your face. <laughs> Correct. I used to wear them playing Aussie rules football, which isn't okay. fun. I didn't like contact lenses. Anything in and around my eyes, I kind of get a little bit freaky about. Mm -hmm. So I then decided that... Uh, I was going to wear glasses playing football and I accidentally hip and shouldered someone trying to protect my, because I was very conscious of the fact that I had these glass things on my face with metal. 
So anytime I'd sort of go to tackle or I'd always turn and I'd always just hit with my shoulder. And I crushed this guy once and I apologized. And my brother dragged me by the back of my head and said, if you ever apologize to someone for a clean hit again, I'm going to beat the living. And I didn't do it again. So that was basically, that was the, the worst thing that ever happened to me. Very conscious of the fact that I am running around. And if you've seen my Instagram account, you saw what I looked like in high school. So I was yeah. not confident at my ability to get laid ever. So I looked strange. <laughs> and I was also wearing glasses on a football field. So I was a target. And uh, so, I, yeah, that was, that was the worst thing. Pete, you finished strong. That's all I can tell you. You finished strong, brother. Thank you. That away. Appreciate um, that. Well, how do you get discovered to be a baseball player in Australia? Because I imagine when you were growing up in the early 90s, I mean, it wasn't as big as it is now. No. Um, I relied heavily on This Week in Baseball VHS tapes and um, eventually just newspaper readings. Um, obviously, my first real recollection of being able to watch an MLB event in real time was when Maguire and Sosa were going for the home run comp. Oh, That's what I remember. Like, and I, I remember watching it and witnessing it and being like, man, this is awesome. And then I bought a newspaper article from the St. Louis Gazette um, or the St. Louis newspaper off yeah, of awesome. eBay the next day uh, after he did it, because I thought that would be something that would be cool. I still have it somewhere. I'm, I'm going to have to find it. But yeah, that was the first moment that, and I just, I've always loved baseball. It's been one of those, even when I got released the first time, I went back and coached winter league back in Australia. I coached summer and winter baseball all year round when I was in Australia. I just love the game of baseball and will continue to be around it. But so we're jumping around a little bit. In the mid '90s, you got signed by the Twins, correct? Yeah. Yes. And what were you? Eighteen or seventeen? Straight out of high school. Never left home before. Never been on my own before. And I was put into a uh, team hotel with a roommate who didn't speak English, um, and basically sent on my way. It was um, I, I missed the first couple of of team buses from the hotel to the field because of jet lag. Um, I missed a couple of practices because of me drinking the night before. I was a train wreck when I first came over here. And we can go as deep into that as you want to, Rosie. Well, where, first of all, where were you? In Fort Myers? Fort Myers, Florida. Yep. You were, I was at the Radisson. Uh, no, I was at the, might have been the Radisson Hotel on US 41 or Ramada. One of those two. Um, and yeah, it was, it was just the regular grind of minor league baseball. I just wasn't used to it. I, I was so immature and so caught up in his own world to even think about what else was out there. And it was, it took me coming over here to, for me to really grow up. Honestly, did your parents give you forewarning about anything? It's, they didn't really know. Um, they were based, basing their opinions from the, the word of the scout. So the scout comes into your house. And you sit down and it's like, hey, you know, we're going to take care. And this is not this is not to say that I'm still very good friends with the original scout. Right. But they're selling you. Right. They're recruiting you and they're selling you. They're trying to get you for the least amount of money as they possibly can. And they're selling you on the adventure that it's going to be. So my parents saw it as, oh, my God, it's going to be lavish and luxury. And it's they're going to they're basically going to take you under their wing and you're going to be one of their one of their guys. Like, yeah, I'm one of 150 of their guys. And if you're not, I took 20 grand to sign. So. When it comes to who they're going to look at, the twenty guy, twenty thousand dollar guy from Australia who's taken up a visa, isn't going to be high on the list of priorities. So I have to fight for everything. I always have. So you were partying your ass off at seventeen in the states. My goodness, I was. Yeah, yeah. It was. Um... <laughs> so my ID. A lot of the places back then you could get in when you were eighteen. Right. Drink at 21, but you could get in 18. They put a big Sharpie X on your hand. Like you can't right. get rid of that. Yeah. Right. Security. It's awesome. Um, my license on my, from Australia, the dates are backwards. So I was born December 2nd, 1978. In Australia, that's 2-12-1978. So that reads as 2-12, which is the 12th of February. So I turned 18 on the 12th of February, according to the US. Whereas actual fact, I'm 17. So... Yes, you can imagine I took full advantage of the fact that I was now 18 for, for seven more months earlier than I should have been. So, yeah, I was, an, I was an absolute idiot and priority was not baseball. It was having a good time. Were there any eventual major leaguers that were in that class of 150? 
Yeah, there was. Oh, okay. Yes, there was. Juan Rincon, former reliever for the Colorado sure. Rockies and uh, was one of my roommates one time. Uh, AJ Pazinski and Corey Kosky and that ilk was in A ball when I was in rookie ball. So we were both in Fort Myers together. Uh, Ortiz was there back in the day. Um, he but he was, was David. Ar- he was then. David Arias back in the yeah. day. Yeah. So yeah, I have uh, Rick Aguilera was my first ever big league rehab assignment. Came down and bought us barbecue. Rick Aguilera, the flow. Uh-huh. I mean, I yeah, I've I've been across generations of baseball and I've witnessed so much fun and cool things, Rosie. But so it didn't work out. I know you. I read you got banged up. You missed the season. When you went back to Australia, did you think, okay, well, I gave it a that shot for two years. It was over. That's exactly what it was. I I came back. I didn't know what I was going to do. Um, I thought that any chance of, because that didn't happen. When you got released, that was it for Australians, especially back then because it was limited visas too. They only mm-hmm. had 30 visas per team for international signings. So you, if you took off a visa, you, you had to perform or you were gone. And I didn't perform on or off the field. And I gave them no reason to fight for me when it came to that last decision in spring training. So um, I don't hold any ill will to the twins. Um, the scout, original scout that signs me does because he believes that they should have given me more of an opportunity to prove myself as I did later in life. But I wouldn't have if I was in their situation. Like he, I was a complete moron, Rosie. Like I, And the fact that I can admit it is, I think, Cool, because I can learn from it. I can teach my kids how to not be an absolute asshole. Well, I think it's growing up, Pete. I think we did it all in college. Yeah. You were a paid professional, and it's hard <laughs> to do that. And that's why you know this. That's why guys are playing every day, and some guys who are uber-talented are not. It's, yeah. you know, you have to learn how to grow up, and, and those who do it faster – figure it out. Hey guys, a lot of people say, Hey, summer's coming to a close. So let's just start packing it up and get ready for fall. No, 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 not when it comes to yourself South of the equator. And that's where our friends from manscape.com lend a helping hand. So go to manscape.com, use the keyword rose, you get 20% off your order plus free shipping. And it's all about the new lawnmower 4.0. Okay. It's 7,000 RPM motor, a new multifunction on off switch, that can engage as a travel lock as well. Plus, it's waterproof. So if you like cleaning yourself up in the shower, it's a perfect fit. In addition to that, you actually get the Weed Whacker Ear and Nose Hair Trimmer, which is big time for me because I got stuff. When I start sneezing, I look like a party favor. Just whack, just pops out of everywhere. So that's a big time help. You also get the Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant, the Crop Reviver Toner, plus two free gifts, the Performance Boxer Briefs. I've told you this before. Michelle, my wife, Loves them. I wear them as much as possible. Don't worry, I put them in the laundry as well to clean them up. Plus, you get the shed travel bag. So that's two free gifts. It's very simple. Go to manscaped.com, the keyword rose. You get 20% off your order plus free shipping. Take care of yourself south of the equator. That someone special is going to love you for it. When you went back to Australia, you had to earn money. So did you have odd jobs? What was it? I've done everything that. Um... Oh, I'll list them. Okay, we got time. Yes, let's do it. When I first when I first went back, I was working with two friends of mine that were playing on the local baseball team that I was playing for when I first got released. Now I was hitting, and playing first base and pitching. So my 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 professional career was over. Okay, so I started working as a concreter with one of the guys. Hardest job I've ever done. Wheelbarrows concreter? of concrete. Wheelbarrows of concrete to the job site, back and forward. Dumping concrete, going back, getting more wheelbarrows. And then once the concrete, once the wheelbarrows were done, you had to then obviously make it flat. So you got the screed out and the trowel, and I did all of it. Then I started to do odd jobs as a pool plumber. So when the concrete had no work, I would then go move to the pool plumber and I would start doing plumbing for pools around Sydney. I eventually landed a job. Well, wait a second. A, so you can come fix my pool. I've had a terrible problem is. with my pool. We can't get the water <laughs> yes. levels right. You know how to fix that shit? I, I don't know how to fix it, but I can certainly... I will be as good a worker for the guy that you do come and have fix it as you've ever seen. <laughs> so when I when I stopped concreting, I landed a job installing glass splashbacks or backsplashes, as you call them over here. Uh-huh. Um, and that was the first of its kind to do it. So it was modern, and new and exciting. And we were going to these big houses that had the view of the Sydney Harbour. And, and so it was awesome. And I really enjoyed that job. And I did that for 12 months. And then I had to move to Melbourne because my current, my wife or my fiance at that time, had moved to Melbourne for work. So I followed her down there 
we eventually got married. I was 20 years old. Um, and uh, yeah, then I just did more jobs. I, I started to get into sales from there. So I, I got off the tools and I went into sales, which I used my best tool, which is my mouth. Yeah. Yeah. You can so what were you selling? My ex-wives. Um, I was selling, um, I was selling pest control at one stage, um, actual commercial pest control. So I would go in with no training whatsoever. I would go into these massive commercial sites and give them a quote on how much I believed it was going to cost to get rid of their pest problem. I didn't know what pest problem they had. I just, I looked at the size of the building. I looked at how long it would take the guy to walk around. And I based my quote on that. I didn't check if there was cockroaches or rats or spiders or ants. I was just walking around. I'd, I was the worst flick pest control salesman in the history of flick pest control. So when somebody shows up to your house in Atlanta right now, and you know there's massive bug problems down there all the time with the humidity and all sorts of shit, somebody knocks on your door. Hey, I'd like to sell you our 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 pest control product. You're like, hey, listen, brother, you knocked <laughs> on the wrong house because I know going your to stick. Destroy you. I know your stick. You don't know anything about pests. No, I make sure that I talk to the guy that's actually going to come out and do the job rather than the guy that's trying to sell it to me. Oh, God. Did you ever yeah. have to do any of the spraying or did you just have to do the selling? No, but I remember I remember one time one of the one of the one of, <laughs> one of the guys that actually had to do the job. Uh, he came in. This is how I knew I wasn't very good. Right. And he was a friend of mine as well. So he comes in, storms in, grabs me from my desk and walks me into the manager's office. And, and with a bag, like I'm talking a plastic bag full of tiny cockroaches. And he slams it on the desk and he goes, this is what you fucking paid me $150 for. And I get $1,000 to walk around and check six rat traps at this factory over here. Figure it out. And I was like, oh, my God, I'm so sorry. Um, do you want the $1,000 or do I just do I just, so I, was, I was done. From that point, I was done. So that didn't last very long. I left Flick Pest Control and then I became a lift chair salesman. What's a lift chair, you ask? Yeah, I mean, well, Rosie, when we yeah. get to our age, it's, you know, you it's hard to get up in and out of chairs. Oh, yeah. my we I used to have one of those in my house. My mom was ill and used to take the lift chair up the stairs. Nope. Close. Nope. But there's one that actually just a recliner that oh. gives them a helping hand just to let them sort of slide off the front of the seat. My dad had one of those, too. Perfect. So I was the number one salesman in Melbourne of those said lift chairs. And I used to drive around in a Mercedes Sprinter van with manual lift chairs, electronic lift chairs, actual just regular high chairs. We had adjustable beds. So you can imagine that was that was fun for me. I'd go to nursing homes and retirement villages and, and cozy up to the to the old, uh, the old ladies were... and hi. You I'm Pete Moylan. Yes. Need a lift. Didn't have hair back then, had terrible teeth, like there was a lot going on back then, but you know, I feel like as the kids say, I'm, I'm glowing up. Is that what they say? I'm glowing yeah. up. Anything else I should know about before I ask you another baseball question? We can go anywhere you want. Let's, um, no, the, then I eventually landed as a pharmaceutical rep, which is what I was doing oh. when I was, when I was, yeah, no, that makes sense, doesn't it? Yeah. I Gain mean, six miles an hour as a pharmaceutical rep. Oh, okay. <laughs> I get it. Oh gosh. But this entire time you still had the ba the baseball bug? Yeah, I was still coaching. Every weekend we we trained twice a week, Tuesdays and Thursdays we we train. Uh it was a and I was I wasn't just the team coach, I was the club coach. So I was in I was the coach of four or five different teams. Mm -hmm. We'd have A grade practice on Tuesdays and then full squad training on Thursdays. Sometimes we had mid midweek games on Wednesdays, but that was rarity. And we just played on the weekends. And it was fun and it was it was social and that's it was basically a men's league game. And so you're at, you're in your early twenties at this point? I I'm now twenty six, twenty five. Oh, you're twenty six. Oh yeah. so we hit the fast forward button at twenty six. How did you get back to the States? I didn't. I wasn't there yet. I was still I was a pharmaceutical rep when I was pitching for Australia in the World Baseball Classic. So I took two weeks vacation paid vacation from my pharmaceutical job to come and pitch for Australia in the World Baseball Classic. One of the famous lines from the classic in the game against Venezuela, I think Boog Shambi was doing the game and he said, 
He said, well, now the real estate agent hands it off to the pharmaceutical rep to face Maglioidonias or something like that. It was, <laughs> it was insane. And they talk about the amount of money these guys were making, millions and millions of dollars at the time. And, uh, and we're out there as a pharmaceutical rep and real estate agent. And so, uh, I mean, that must have been a tremendous Venezuelan team that you were playing, right? Oh, it was, it was, it had everyone. It had, you named the guys back in 2006 that should have been on that team and they were on that team. Scudero, Adonias, Cabrera, uh, Abreu, like all of them. Weren't you nervous? Yeah, I didn't see the results. I walked five and struck out four. Like I was, I was all over the place, absolutely all over the place. But um, it was the first time I pitched in front of a crowd too. I, you got to understand, I was three weeks before I was pitching in local beer leagues, and then now all of a sudden I'm in front of twelve thousand screaming Venezuelan fans at downtown at uh, Sports Disney. Uh, what's Wide Water Sports? Was that the most fun you've ever had at that point? Um, at that point, it was on a baseball field. Yes. Um, yeah, without just, yeah, the, that was what I, and for me, it was more of a, I wanted to prove that because when I got released, because of my sordid past, I guess you'd say, because I was a, I was a fun kid and everybody who saw me get signed and sent over was like, oh, we knew this was going to happen. You know, he wasn't going to last. So for me, it was motivation to not only be selected for the Aussie team, but to go out there and prove that had I not been a complete or had I learned what I now know, I could have done better at this. And that was all I wanted to prove myself. And I did that. The shock came the next day when Dayton Moore was like, hey, let's take a walk. And then it was he walked me around the facility in Orlando and said, we think you have a real chance to help this club. Uh, it was between them and the Red Sox at that stage. And I'd looked at what the Red Sox had done and what they were traditionally doing as a team as far as poaching whatever they needed from the best of the best. And just whereas the 2005 Braves were the baby Braves who had brought up 14 rookies that year and won the division. So if I'm a chance to make the big leagues, where do I go? Do I go to the place where I have to become the best in the game to, to get called up? Or do I go where they've just proven that they're going to call up rookies? So I'll sign with the Braves. So is this the McCann, Frank yep. Hoare? Yep. Kelly Johnson, Blaine Boyer, that era. McKay McBride. Yes, wow. that was the baby Braves. And then the streak of 14 years ended in my debut season of 2006. So I take, that, take pride in that, that I feel like I ended the streak. Pete, had you cleaned up your shit at that point or were you still partying your ass off? I was, I will, I had, uh, there was demons there still. Um, I was, yeah, I still like to enjoy myself for the first portion of my, my career. And you can tell from the, the weight fluctuations and the injuries that, that maybe I should have focused a little more on what was happening on the field than what was happening off the field. Wouldn't change a thing. Don't get me wrong. And mm -hmm. I keep saying this every single time I say stuff like that, I say, I would not change a thing in my life. I've been playing with house money from the day I got over here and I wouldn't change a thing, but I would have prepared myself and taken care of myself better in the early years. It was interesting. That reminds me of a story when I was on Best Damn, David Wells used to be a, a fill-in host quite a bit. And I remember asking him the question, I said, David, do you think that if you took better care of yourself and didn't party as much, do you think, hell, I could have been a Hall of Famer because he was damn good as he was. Yeah being kind of out of shape and you know the stories are legendary about him he's like yeah chris i've had a great career he goes if i had been in the gym the entire time and disciplined i would never have made it because right. this is who i am mm. that makes sense i think yeah I, I i take that absolutely but i also think about i had a pretty decent career for someone that that you know mm -hmm. had to deal with what i had to deal with and and uh I just get frustrated at that, that early time that I wasn't able to, don't get me wrong, from, I, I still performed, I still showed up and I still did what I was going to do. But the injury bug that got me, I wasn't just, it was, it was more self-inflicted than anything else. And I can accept that. Um, and I have moved on from it. And, I'm, and I, uh, it's not gonna change who I am. It's not gonna change. So wait a second, way. you're telling me that you're two Tommy Johns and your back issues and <laughs> those are self-inflicted? Oh, majority of them, yeah. I mean, yeah. what'd you do? Put, throw your elbow against a wall? I mean, that, no, that, but that when you're drinking alcohol every day, it's not the best recovery. It's not it, like you get on a plane, you go to the next city, and you're you're drinking heavily, and then by the time you get there, it's like 
and it's not just it's not i wasn't drinking to get over the pain of throwing it was it was i was on an airplane there was alcohol there i enjoyed a drink and i would have a drink and then but now i've stopped drinking almost completely mm-hmm. and i feel better i was i wasn't drinking because i was addicted to drinking i was drinking because i enjoyed it and then now that i've stopped drinking i realized that had i done that back in the past i may have been i may have had less injuries than what i had okay all right that makes sense yeah Got to take a quick second to tell you guys about Cushy Dreams. We love Cushy Dreams. It's CBD that is smokable, the fastest way to get into your system. If you like dealing with your anxiety, your depression, your inflammation, just relaxing a little bit, maybe you want to get into a creative mood, but you're not in the mood to get super high. You're off the THC. CBD is what you need. Cushy Dreams has smokable CBD. You can get pre-rolled joints. You can get one-eighth tins. You can get whatever strain you want. You go to CushyDreams.com, K-U-S-H-Y, Dreams.com. You use code ROSE for 20% off. You have a great time. You enjoy yourself. Try it out. You remember the day you were told you were coming to the big leagues? Yep. I do. I was in a because it was so early in the season. We'd started the season on a road trip. And by the time I then, here it is, look at those fresh arms. Oh my God. By the time, Ryan Howard, first batter I ever faced and the last left-handed hitter I got out in the big leagues. So um, (laughs) (laughs) uh, yeah, I do remember it. It, um, I was in a hotel in Richmond. We'd just come back from a road trip. So I just moved into the team hotel. You get three days free when you first move in. So I was living in this, and I get a phone call. It was, it was late night, and then you're gonna to have to get up early in the morning and be on your way. So, from that point, it's a blur until I get on the mound here. But um, the amount of, the amount of, I mean, I was, I look confident though. That's the crazy thing. Like I, I looked like I knew what I was doing. Lucky hit there. But by the way, do you know who you you just gave a hit up to right there? Yeah, the manager of the Reds, right? Exactly. That's David yeah. Bell. <laughs> <laughs> I think I got I got Aaron Boone a few times. I've got Rossi a couple of times. So that's when I that's when I knew it was time for me to get out in a team and all these guys are taking managers' roles. Chris Woodward, I punched him out as well. It's... But yeah, there was um this moment will never ever be replaced for me. And you'll notice when I walk off and the innings over. Um, I kind of just kept my head down because it was the first time that I really allowed myself to look up above the second deck because that third deck changes everything. It changes everything. When you can look up and you can't see the sky and all you see is people, David DeLucci, first punch out, another lefty. So I lied. I'm sorry, Rosie. But look, keep your head down, son. Look at those. By the way, I thought and I continued to think that the goatee was a good look right the way through 2016. Yeah, well, it was at the time. It was at the time. By the so, way, the, the way you look in the uniform, and they didn't do you any, any service throwbacks. by wearing the throwbacks, the old baggy, like, wool-looking throwbacks yeah. that day. What because do you mean? It, What's wrong with that? It really looks like you should be sitting in Section 217. I, should, I do. I do. That's okay. And actually, the, my first outing as a Royal was in the throwback jersey against the Braves. So there's something with me looking uncomfortable on the mound that, that people like to – Share that with everyone. Was there a sense of, I, I made it. Like as you're walking off the mound, you're like, oh, everything I've been through, all these odd jobs, all these failures that might be self-inflicted wounds, and I finally made it. I, yes, there was that moment. There was the, but there was also, I guess this is what helped me throughout was that there was the moment that I didn't want that to be the end. I didn't want that to be, I didn't want my story to be, I was the pharmaceutical rep that signed out of the World Baseball Classic and had a couple of outings in the big leagues. You know, I wanted to be the guy that turned that into a sustainable career and a, and a long, and now look what I'm doing, man. I'm like, I, that, was, that was the coolest part is that when I first came over here, that was the story. Like, look at this guy. This guy looks like the wild thing from Major League and he's throwing 95 and, and, it was all the backstories. It was all the other stuff. It was all the distractions. It was all the bullshit. And now when you hear people talk about Peter Moylan, it's very rarely, oh, weren't you that guy who was a pharmaceutical rep? It was the, oh, yeah, he had a decent career and now he's on drum boy. You know, that's, and I love it. 
I know you're listening to a baseball podcast, but football is around the corner and DraftKings is giving out free money. You bet $1 on an NFL game during the first week of the season, you receive $200 in free bets instantly. No matter what, you take those $200 worth of free bets and you put them right back into baseball. You bet the Twins to hit the under. You bet the Braves to win the division. You do whatever you want with it. Football gets you the money. You use it on baseball. Boom, bing, bomb, bam, bang. No one has ever said those B-words in that order before, I don't think. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code ROSE to receive $200 in free bets when you place a $1 bet on any week one game. That's promo code ROSE to get your free $200 in free bets instantly for a limited time only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or PA only. New customers only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Thank you very much for listening to the Rose Rotation. We appreciate each and every one of you. Back to the show. How'd Chipper treat you? Like shit, initially. <laughs> but Why? That was the theme for the day. That was how everyone treated everyone back then. It was... There was no, hey, welcome. Appreciate your story, man. It's so cool. You tell us, sit down. We'll all gather around. You can tell us all about your story. No, it was, who the fuck are you? Go sit on the couch. You're one of the 37 guys we're going to see come through the bullpen this year. So just take your turn over there. Take a number. That's how it felt initially. When did it change or did it? It did when I started having success in 2007. 2006, I was up and down and I was all over the place and back to AAA. And, and then 2007, something clicked in my arm angle. Um, and from spring to the end of the season, it was just, I just wanted the ball every single time the phone rang. It was one of those years that that I would get pissed off if the phone rang and it wasn't, it was a situation I thought I was supposed to be pitching in and I wasn't pitching. I threw in 80 games that year. I threw 90 innings out of the bullpen that year. It was, it was, I thought that that's when I knew I'd, I'd made it. That's when when I when the when there was moves to be made and there's no worry that it's going to be you. That's when you know you've made it. So you're sitting in the clubhouse and you know that someone's just arrived or coming off the DL or IL, whatever it was. You know that when that move needs to be made and you are 100% certain it's not you, you've made it. So eventually, was Chipper nice to you? Yeah, we, well, I still consider Chipper. A very, very good friend of mine. But you can, I, and I, this is the way I explain it to people. Okay. I'm genuinely nice to everyone that I try and meet unless mm-hmm. you do something wrong to me. He was nice enough. He wasn't going to, as I said, take me under his wing, but he was nice enough. And to defend him, he's 15 years in the game. He's not going to go out there and want to strike up a, a lifelong friendship with every single person that comes into that clubhouse. So I got the fact that there was that standoffish part when I first got there. But now, once you prove yourself and once you can, can show that you can you know, help the team win or, or even show you've got some personality or some, some grit, whatever it is that, that he's looking for, once he sees that in you, then, then you're golden. And it's not just him. It's, it's all those kinds of guys. Not everyone's a Jim Tomey. Not, not everyone's uh, going to make you feel like you're the greatest person on earth. There are some dickheads in this game. Chip is not one of them, but there are some real guys that that came through this game that treated people like shit. And I witnessed it. And it was, I'm so glad that part of the game's gone. Did Pete, you are such an affable guy and so welcoming. Did When you became a veteran, did you ever confront a guy? Yeah. Um, not become a veteran. Um, I confronted like a, there was a couple of times where I've spoken to guys about the way they speak to other guys. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah. Um, but I didn't do it in a way that was like, like defending him in front of like, that would just, I feel like that would just be adding to the issue. There's been times where I've grabbed a guy, taken to the side, whether it's a young guy, an old guy, just explained to him why they're doing it. And, you know, Chris Medlin, Tommy Hansen, those sorts of guys come to mind where they're getting, they're young and they're just trying to help and they're just getting yelled at and, and they don't know what to do. They don't want to do the wrong thing. They're just constantly deer in a headlight. So I felt like my job was to 
calm them down, explain what's happening, and then we were able to move on as a team. But did you ever take the other side and go to you? You never went to a. I was a veteran was like, hey, listen, dude, lay off of him. That's uh, going to help them and it's not going to help us. Towards the end, as it was phasing out, yeah, but I, I could probably could have stood up a little more earlier. But I was I was the guy that was 27 that was getting crushed too. So I had to defend myself a little bit. But that's the issue, right? So, and this is, we're getting a deeper level here. But if you are treated that way when you first come to the big leagues, then you think that's the way it's done. And then you're going to do the same thing. But at was, some point, the cycle has to stop. We know that in has. every sort of relationship. And it absolutely has. And it, it started with the, the dress thing at the September. Like, it started with that. And initially, I was like, what are we doing? You know, this is all fun. It's all part of the game. But at the same time, I'm like, well, hold on. You don't know what that guy's been through in his life. And maybe putting on a, a, a Speedo and trancing around downtown New York is not going to make him as uncomfortable as, as he's ever been in his life. That's not something you need to do to prove that you're a good baseball player. So I took the other side of that. And I'm learning just like everyone is that there's certain things that it's just the way we do it isn't going to work. That drives me nuts. I hate that most about the sport I love. Yeah. It, it's I, changing. Like I've though. never understood the whole let's throw at somebody. Right. And if you were to ask why, the answer is, well, that's because it's been done that way for decades. That is right. not an acceptable answer in my world no. in terms of life. They're, we'll sort it out ourselves. It's tired. Do you really, though? Do you really sort it out or do you just create more anger? Right. Right. Yeah, it's silliness. Um, what was your I'm in awe moment of being on the field? Was it that you got a chance to pitch to somebody? Was it? I keep going back to the early days, but I mean, walking into that clubhouse for the first time with Smoltz, C. Jones, A. Jones, Tim Hudson, you know, legends coming back and forth. Dale Murphy was around all the time. Uh, Hank Aaron was in that clubhouse. Hank Aaron walked through the club. Like that moment was pretty, pretty weird. Um, and I probably came off wrong, but I was just so, I was so nervous and so, just didn't want to say the wrong thing and do the wrong thing. And it was so foreign to me to be around these people. You know, like I, I didn't get the minor leagues where I was like, Oh, this is what it's going to be like. I got a taste of it back in the day, but I was a complete fuckhead. So I didn't, I didn't go past rookie ball. So my first experience of any baseball above rookie ball was going to triple a for two weeks. And then I got called up. So I'm like, everything's new. Um, but the, my greatest thrill on the baseball field was when Eric Hinsky hit a home run off Romo and the Giants in 2010, the playoffs. And it wasn't even a part that I was, I was, I was part of, but I was part of a team that achieved something who had been crushed by injuries. And it looked like we were about to take a two, one lead in that series. And it was just the emotion that, that you can get watching someone else succeed. I never felt before. And it was, it was an, it was a heart that I was like, Holy shit. Like, this is why people want to play playoffs. That's awesome. Yeah. What is your, it, what is the one moment of your career that stands out the most? Uh, <laughs> do you want the, the, the real answer or you want me to give you an answer that the real answer is my walk off that I gave up to Ryan Zimmerman? Really, when that's, they christen the new stadium in DC? Yep, that's that's uh, there it is. Look at Rob. Jeez, this was. If you go, did you have to fill it back by chance? Because I want to go back to the pitch before, and you might be, be able to find the the pitch before. Let's Why would go. you say that? Because most people don't want any part of that. No, because it was such a like. I remember, and again, Boog Shambi called me, text me that. The, the the night off and said you're still nasty bro and it was like everything to that point I'd, I'd been really good like 2007 was was my career year and then that was such a big moment for me too because uh you know to be in a situation to be able to pitch in those games you know that was the confidence of the new year Bobby Cox had the same confidence he had in me last year you know it was all it was all good and then to be to, to have Zimmerman the future face of the franchise take you deep and I'm going to be part of baseball history. Not many people can say that. I might have been on the wrong end of it, but I was part of baseball history. 
congrats. Thank you. I've had some cool, and I've, I've, this is what I'm saying. Like I, I go back and I look at. I've had some really, really cool moments. I've had some great innings where I've, you know, felt really great. But, but all my moments have been with other people. So that's. I think it's 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 cool to reflect on that as well. I and I, again, I've watched the pitch before. Okay, that was sorry. Um, so check out. I'll just go, we'll run through the whole of that. I don't know if I remember it exactly, but I'll I'll run through the whole of that with you right here. It's like an okay. episode of Sequence. Yeah, but Case he's way better at that. So first pitch, ball. I'm sorry, what? Look at Brian McCann's reaction. Okay. First pitch, ball, 94 on the black. That changes the whole of that. So now what pitch am I throwing? If you're Fast a hitter, ball. I'm thinking fastball. 19 yeah. game winning RBI. Glad they flashed that up. I didn't know that was there beforehand, but I'm glad we got to see that beforehand. Okay, so here we go. I'm not throwing a slider. I throw a terrible sinker. If that pitch is called a strike, I'm throwing two sliders and the bat's over and the game's over. But Ryan's in and got his moment. I got my part of that moment. Look at me. Look at me. I'm wearing a fighting necklace. That's how, yeah. that's how locked in I was. Oh, my God. The fighting necklaces. Oh, my God. <laughs> uh, look at oh, that. Oh, that's a great look. There it is. I didn't twist it though. I didn't do the twist. Do you have any good Bobby Cox stories for us? Ah, oh, do I ever? Yep. Pittsburgh, inside the clubhouse in Pittsburgh. And I used to get there pretty early, um, mainly because I was hungover and I just wanted to get some food. But I used to get there pretty early and act like I was like, oh, I'm going to come and watch video or something. Um, so Bobby Cox was walking around trying to find his shoes. And he's got six clubhouse attendants looking for them and they're all bringing him different kinds of shoes. And anyway, this kid walks up with one and he goes, Bobby, are these it? And he looks him square in the eye and says, they have mine. Mine have got fucking nails in them. He wore spikes every single day for his whole career. He wore baseball spikes as he managed. Coolest thing in the world. Wow. I mean, I've heard stories of managers like when they're chewing guys out in the shower and they're wearing spikes, they fall right on their ass. <laughs> I would like to see that. Surprised that yeah. didn't happen. No, Did you laugh your ass off? Like if you were out of a game, let's say you had already pitched and you were on the bench and Bobby Cox got thrown out because it only happened about a thousand times in his career. Yeah. I mean, those those implosions that he had were legendary. My favorite story, and Glavin and Maddox tell this story all the time, and this is why I've heard it so much and I can tell it. He tells a story about back in the day, they used to try and do the charts inside because the view from the dugout couldn't tell what pitch it was. So they convinced Bobby to let him do the charts inside. Umpire had been pretty good most of the game, but Maddox wanted to mess with him. So Bobby comes in to get his coffee midway through the game and he says, hey, Greg, has, has he been out there? And Greg Maddox said, no, awful, Bobby, absolutely awful. Without even looking, he goes running down the tunnel and comes out, hey, and he gets thrown out within five minutes of that happening, all because Maddox was just messing with him. So that's the kind of character that Bobby Cox was. That's the kind of person, the man. He had your back no matter what. If you told him something, he believed you. He was going to go to bat for you. Did he ever have to pull you in the office? Oh, no. No chance. No, I wouldn't give him a chance. I wouldn't give him, um, despite all my on-off-the-field fun, I, was, I showed up and uh, I got my first win hungover. Here's a funny story for you. This is probably... Okay, so... We are 2007, 2007, mm -hmm. Miami Stadium, Chipper Jones and Andrew Jones have birthdays very close to each other. So they combined and instead of having a individual parties, we did a, a double deuce at a nightclub in Miami. This was the first time, Rosie, that I had ever experienced bottle service because we didn't do bottle service in Australia. Mm. So I was serving my own drinks. And if you've ever been to Australia, this is how they measure their drinks in Australia. <laughs> you cannot get over the legal limit of a well drink in Australia. So I've been used to drinking, but I've been used to drinking Australian drinks, not pouring my own. We get three hours into the night and I stand up for the first time after sitting next to the table and I almost collapsed on my face. I had no idea how much I drank. I knew that I was drinking normal amounts of alcohol. I threw up in the taxi. I threw up in my room. I threw up. I don't know how I got home. There was an interesting. I get up to the field the next day. Redman is starting. Todd Redman, Mike Redman, the non-catcher Redman. Mike. Yeah, Mike. 
gives up four runs in the first couple of innings, and then I'm just like white as a ghost. I'm 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 warming up. Eddie Perez is handing me water. He's flicking me with water. He's like, you don't look well. You don't. And I'm I just you just got to get through it. So I went out there, took a line drive off Miguel Cabrera off my shin in that game. So not only is Bobby expecting me to go multiple innings, but I'm hung as hungover as I've ever been, and I've just taken a line drive off Mel Cabrera off my shin. But I stayed in the game through three innings. Well, the good news is, is that back then they didn't have a dome. So at least the humidity was drying you out, right? It rained every single day, every single day. And I know there was BP that day because we took BP every single day back then. So no, it was not a fun, it was not a fun day. But I got, hey, memories, here it is. Pete? Yeah. How much did your uh, partying affect your life? life? My life life? Yeah. It hasn't at all. Not one bit, huh? Nope. Why would you, you consider yourself fortunate? I am more fortunate than most people on this earth, and I accept that. Because you know that there's a lot of ball players in particular. If they go that down that route, it it's real dark. Right. Yeah, I know. That's why I know I don't, I, I, I don't think I was ever at the point where it was, it, it was by choice. That's, that's when I, that's, so I chose to stop and I chose to focus more on my career. Uh -huh. And that's how I know that I made the right choices because I still got three years, age 38, 39, and 40. I still got to pitch in the big leagues. And I led the, I led the league in appearances at 40, Rosie. Did yeah. you really? 2017 with the Royals. I led the league in appearances. Yep. That's unbelievable. So I, I pride, I, I, there's a, there's a lot of things that I'm very proud of that I did Could in my be. career. Yeah. Hell yes. And, and I have no, I've got no qualms talking about them and it's, it's not going to show up in any all-star games or record books or any of that sort of stuff. But, uh -huh. but I'm very proud of the career that I had despite everything. It was interesting. Our, uh, our boss man, Jimmy did a breakdown of you. <laughs> a couple days ago and asked did you throw at another pitcher intentionally because he had walked you yeah uh, and i saw the interesting text. question yeah but did you ever actually throw at a hitter intentionally i did and i can admit it i missed him he hit a ground ball to shortstop but i intentionally i was trying to hit lastings millage in triple a Last because he went, in with, a, a big, he went in with a spikes up slide to Jonathan Scherholz, and I tried to hit him and he hit a ground ball to shortstop. <laughs> oh, that's how good I was. You really missed. I really missed. It was in. It was in. In. I jammed in like it was nothing but knuckles, but he still was able to hit a ground ball to shortstop. I don't know. So that's a bad ever... thing on me or a good thing on him. Right. No. Nobody ever told you that you had to uh, throw at somebody or anything. No. No, it was never back in the day. It was, I mean, it might have happened three times that I remember that I can. Someone said, "Hey, you know, we got to draw this guy," and it was. Look, there were certain situations that warranted it back in the day, especially if you were going to be a complete maniac on the base paths and go and injure someone and take someone out and, like, I, I understand that there wanted to be some sort of after the, I don't know, I, I, I just talk around in circles now because I'm trying to justify when there was a time where it was okay to hit someone. I don't know. It doesn't make any sense. The more I talk about it, it just doesn't make any sense. So I'm just going to stop talking. It's amazing. I didn't know you led the league in appearances at age 39. Yeah. Pretty good, dude. Thanks, dude. I'm proud of that. Well, before we let you go, uh -oh. every guest on the show gets to spin the wheel of moderately interesting things. <laughs> So here we go. Uh, this is my favorite part. At least it. Okay. Tripping. Oh, this will be a good one for you. Where do you want your next trip to be? I want to go back to Europe so bad. I want to go to Amsterdam. I want to take everybody that I know to Amsterdam. Um, I think that's going to be. That won't be my next trip because my next trip is going to be Australia. I, right. I, but if I had a choice, I'd be going back to Amsterdam. I spent two weeks there. I called a couple of NFL Europe games in 2005. Um, had, so, okay. There are certain sections, <laughs> let me clarify. There are certain sections of Amsterdam that 
uh, I wouldn't particularly suggest taking your family to. But if I you was go, by myself. Perfect. So if you, well, but if you just start walking, you just start walking that that's place the and thing. you get lost and it's just It's magical. great. It, it was, I didn't, I would kick myself now because I didn't do enough. Like, you know, I was with people that I knew, but they weren't like close friends. I was lonely. My wife yeah. was pregnant with our second child. I was like worried about that whole thing. I did tour the red light district just because I wanted to say, hey, I've been here. It was yeah. absolute madness. Madness. I did the museum. Oh, did you? Yeah. There's a red light museum where you just you just single file line walk through and it tells you the history of it all. And it's 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 quite interesting, honestly. It, it was fascinating. It really was. Like I, I walked through there and it was it was part terribly sad, right. part like funny, part, you know, it just every emotion runs through you. You're like, yeah. I cannot believe this is actually happening. I know. So yeah. I I I will be your wingman slash travel buddy anytime you want to go anywhere to the right hand side of the US and to the left hand side. I mean, let's go to Hawaii if we have to. I I appreciate it. I know we really bonded in Denver. It was great to to do that. And uh I think we've bonded over the last 50 minutes too. Yes, we have. And it's it's flown by. You've got amazing, amazing stories and you know, you're in a great place. You're a good human being. You're just kind of fun to talk to, dude. Thank you, man. I appreciate it. I try to. I just try to be honest. And and this is, you know, a lot of people get in trouble when they just try and say what they think people want to hear. But I've never been that way. And I will be unapolog unapologetically not that way for the rest of my life. Yeah. And you've got amazing teeth. Thanks, brother. This is bought and paid for. You should have seen yeah. it before. I used to chew rocks for a living. So luckily I got these fixed. Those are, those are, man, oh man, I'll be able to see you with the lights off. There's no 12 years about. old too. These are 12 years old. Are they really? Yeah. Well, the warranty on those things are really just that? wonderful. Wonderful. Yeah. People Island, uh, you can check them out. Farm to Fame alongside Kelsey Winger right here on the John Boy Media Networks, if you will. Big shout cool. out to our producer, editor extraordinaire, Robbie Scirocco, our summer intern oh. Holden Stone. We will see you next time on the Chris Rose Rotation, a production of John Boy Media.